0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW group void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Getting ready to take on spring?
1: Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024.
0: See participating retailer for details. Hey, this is Brian Alvarez, and this is today's edition of the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the Eight Side Network. Are you ready?
1: Are you ready? Let's get it on.
0: Let's get it. Mike Semper
2: Vivi here with you for the next hour talking professional wrestling which is something we do every single day here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. And however you're joining me today, tune in, iHeart, American Forces Radio, sportsbyline.com, over the, air, over the air affiliates even, like the Mightier 1090, Sirius XM 156, via podcast or streaming on Twitch or on YouTube. I'd just like to say thank you for joining me and spending a little bit of time. It is Wednesday. You know what that means a whole lot of news to get into. And I think we have reached the point where the Vince McMahon News Watch is officially over with now. Not to say that we're not going to get more news on Vince McMahon and NDAs and unpaid monies and all sorts of things uh stemming from the WWE board's investigation, but it certainly seems as if since this last round where There was $5 million that was unreported that was donated to the Trump Foundation for Donald Trump's involvement in the Bobby Lashley-Umaga hair versus hair match with Vince McMahon back at WrestleMania way back a long time ago. Seems ever since then, things have truly quieted down. So what are we going to do for news Thank God there's Tony Khan who will appear on radio shows to hype up tonight's AEW Dynamite. He did his appearance on Busted Open and spoke a little bit about the CM Punk hangman page controversy that has been swirling around that company. And we have news uh, that has broken on tonight with AEW. There's going to be a talent meeting, and we'll get into some of the details about that. Fightful Select has reported that, that there is going to be a talent meeting before tonight's show. I don't know if it's going to be an airing of the grievances or not, but we'll get into the details on that, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff in professional wrestling right now, not the least of which is the vaunted NXT 2.0 review, which is going to be coming at you. Tiffany Stratton, Wendy Chu lights out main event we'll get into all that stuff we get back from break wrestling observer live oh welcome back to the show wrestling observer live mike semper VV here with you big boss man brian alvarez is off today which is good for him. He wouldn't want him to hear what was taking place during the uh, commercial break. Producer Dom just definitely a terrible, terrible influence. For all of those uh, who are listening out there to Sports Byline for actual sports radio, uh, well, hopefully you're not a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates for many, many reasons. Not the least of which is you are losing now 14 to nothing uh, in the uh, the bottom of the eighth inning here uh, to the Atlanta Braves. Fairly, Matt Olson hit a ball into the Allegheny River. So not good for you right now, Detroit on top of San Francisco, 6 nothing. for those people listening out in the Bay Area, our, our home here on Sports Byline. But we don't talk about baseball here on this show, no. We talk about professional wrestling, and when it comes to Wednesdays, it's Tony Khan Day. That man is everywhere. I don't know if he is, uh sniped at Josh Nason yet, our own Josh Nason, about anything he may have tweeted out there. Tony loves doing this stuff. I know some people think that he's crazy. He may be, but he's a promoter. That's what he does. And I did a solo show on Friday when a lot of the news was breaking and coming out about CM Punk and his Wednesday night promo where he was going to hype up and did hype up the upcoming match with John Moxley, but had to make sure to get in some shots there on an old Hangman page and that led to a whole bunch of speculation and controversy and conjecture and actual reporting. It's just been all over the place when it comes to that stuff. But there was a part of me that is thinking, you know, for anything that's true about any of this stuff, there's probably a nice thick layer of pro wrestling that is being iced across that cake, and I don't know if anything I've heard today has changed my mind on that. And I guess we will begin at the beginning. Um, CM Punk has addressed rumors regarding that promo last week. He did so in an interview with Sports Illustrated. who was tied in with this website. And Punk was asked if he was creatively fulfilled in AEW. His response was yes. 100%. 100%. You try not to put too much stock in internet rumors, but for AEW, I definitely think that's a part of our audience. Twitter's not real life, though. On top of that, a lie makes its way around the world twice before the truth puts its boots on or gets out of bed. He's just mixing them all up there. Uh, <laughs> Punk also addressed reports that backstage friction in the company, Uh noting what has been made public is just, quote, one side of the story, It's one side of the story, Punk said. My locker room is never closed. It's always open. Anybody who wants to DM Meltzer some BS can come talk to me about it. It's not macho, stupid BS. I'm an adult. Come talk with me. Punk also addressed reports that he went off script when he called out Hangman Page on Dynamite last week. He said his motivation behind the promo was to, quote, make people see what happens next. And sell tickets. That's what I'm here to do. Make people want to see what happens next. I'm trying to sell tickets to the live events. That goes back to me saying Twitter isn't the real world. Twitter's a bunch of people that really don't care about your opinion. They want to find like-minded opinions that share their worldview. I'm trying to tell stories, sell tickets, and get people to tune into Dynamite. A. President Tony Khan was on Busted Open Radio today on Sirius XM. And also addressed Punk's comments towards Hangman, saying that Punk has unresolved anger towards Hangman Page, and talking about Punk's promo last week that set up Wednesday's title unification match between Punk and interim champion John Moxley. Khan was asked about Punk dragging Page into it, and he says he thinks it's unresolved anger from the world title match at Double or Nothing. We haven't really tied up all those issues. There was clearly some stuff that didn't get resolved at Double or Nothing. Hmm. Dave Meltzer obviously reported afterwards that that promo was not planned and came as a surprise to everybody. Said there was no plan for Punk and Page 2 at All Out. Boy, a lot of that all just sounds like pro wrestling there, doesn't it? But then we got this report, also today, from Fightful Select who is reporting that some things are going to be addressed today when it comes to the locker room and Tony Khan. And there's a mandatory talent meeting. Apparently Tony Khan will be present, but not many other details at this point are known. The talent, from what they are hearing, expects it to address some of the rumors of unrest and contract inquiries and personal issues and leaks and all that sort of stuff. But again, no details right now on what exactly is going to be going down. There's a lot of talent that is there, but it's not like all of the talent was flown in for this mandatory meeting. One person who I don't believe is there, because I believe he's still in the UK, is Colt Capana, who's been, whether he wants to or not, at the middle, seemingly, of all of this stuff. Uh, he's been over in the UK doing some wrestling commentary based comedy i guess would be the right way to put it he and another gentleman are doing uh bad comedy uh about bad wrestling as <laughs> they do commentary i guess on some stuff that they watch his mystery science theater 3000 like i think I believe punk's done that multiple times before so that show is on the road and i don't believe that he is there but i guess everybody that's in cleveland tonight uh is going to have to hash out their issues and We'll see what the, some of the reporting is from that, too. Obviously, Fightful's going to stay on it. We here with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez are going to be on it. They are going to be up after Dynamite, way after Dynamite, probably about 5 a.m., eastern time on thursday morning dave Meltzer will have his full wrap-up and review of aew dynamite including anything he hears today as well as anything he hears after the show goes off the air so you can look forward to that for subscribers of the website tomorrow there will be clips up surely for free for all you freeloaders out there over at youtube.com uh there should be some stuff up there so we'll just have to see what happens here oh yeah they're they're building to an all out pay-per-view that they don't have a whole lot of matches for. So last week's show I thought was good. Especially a book ended incredibly well. I thought that first hour was fantastic. Let's see what they got for tonight. Uh John Moxley and CM Punk AEW World Title. They decided to go ahead with this at the last minute, according to Fightful Select, and another report that came out today. Moxley was all in favor of the mood, including one source saying it was his idea to move the match to Cleveland. Uh, and eventually, and this is the quote here, quote, eventually CM Punk agreed to it. Uh, end quote. We haven't learned, uh, this is according to Fightful, if this was connected to any of the reported issues, uh, with CM Punk last week. So, uh, Will Washington had noted on his show that there was an idea, uh, a few days ago to increase ticket sales and add buzz to the Cleveland show. I didn't, was not not checking on ticket sales for it, so I'm not sure exactly, uh, where it sits right now, but obviously, hopefully, for their sake, if they were having an issue with ticket sales, putting John Moxley and CM Punk in a world title match on this show would probably be a good idea, and... Who knows where they go with this? I mean, on paper, in my opinion, right now, it would feel like we're going to have a non-finish tonight, which leads into All Out. Could we have Hangman Page stick his nose in, want his rematch, and all this stuff kind of dovetails together and we get that? I guess we could. Do you want to water down a possible singles match with Punk and Page by doing something like that now? I guess that's uh, debatable as well, too, but they need a good show tonight, and I don't think that the pay-per-view is going to be suffering too much uh, from anything uh, that's been going on now. I don't think that their hardcores have turned on them, that everybody now is looking at the WWE wave and going, I'm done with this stuff, I'm back on Raw and SmackDown, and I'm ready for Clash at the Castle The hell with All Out. I don't think that's really going to happen here. I think everybody that's going to buy that pay-per-view is going to do it, but... There seems to be a lot of concern from a lot of observers out there that AEW is a little cold right now. We'll see if any of this works. We'll get into the details of the show as well as a lot more when we get back from break. Wrestling Observer Live. Welcome back to the show. Wrestling Observer Live here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Mike Semper BB. Brian Alvarez is off today. He will be back with me tomorrow to review everything that takes place tonight during AEW's Dynamite. You know, we do this show right here for an hour at a time, but if you want to try to get at us 24-7, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Sempervivi. The timeline for this show is at WONF4W. The broadcaster is at Sports Byline USA. And if you love pro wrestling, at MidAtlanticPod. So I do my cleansing here of everything i got to deal with on this show when it comes to the news and... On paper, tonight's AEW Dynamite show is a good one. CM Punk and John Moxley, obviously, for the undisputed AEW championship. We'll see if that kicks off the show, if it main events the show. Do they put it on right at the the hour crossover, especially if you're not going to have a clean finish or this is actually going to lead towards all out? We'll see exactly where they decide to go ahead and put this thing. They got some other really good stuff on here, not the least of which is the AEW Trios quarterfinal between Death Triangle, Pac, Penta, and Ray Phoenix against Will Ospreay and Aussie Open, the United Empire over from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Will Ospreay had one hell of a G1 Climax (laughs) tournament, as everybody knows, losing to Okada in the finals. He and Aussie Open in there against Death Triangle, those guys are going to be flying all over the place. That is going to be surely a fantastic match, as well as Dax Harwood and Jay Lethal is, uh, I bet you, going to be a fantastic match, just in a completely different way. 20 minutes of those guys going at it, exchanging holds. I know Jay Lethal, he is a certainly a polarizing figure. There's people like me and brian alvarez's examples big fans of watching jay lethal go out there and work my partner on the adam and mike big audio nightmare adam summers not so much i know there's a lot of people interact with him on the forum online eh, he doesn't do anything for me doesn't work for me been around too long all that sort of stuff i'll wash on all that tonight Dykes Harwood and jay lethal are going to put on a wrestling clinic i would be pretty sure of that and probably Going to end up leading with the, uh, leading into Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt getting involved, which will lead to Cash Wheeler and Big Ass Wardlow back home in Cleveland getting involved as well. Billy Gunn against Colton Gunn, father versus son. Um, I can see it with, and again, there's a lot of matches that still need to be announced for the pay per view, but I'm starting to wonder if Billy Gunn and the acclaimed against, uh, Colton Gunn and Austin Gunn, or that match, Colton Gunn and Austin Gunn against the Acclaimed isn't going to be one of the pre-show matches uh, leading into the pay-per-view. Uh, Britt Baker against Kylie King tonight as well, and Ricky Starks is going to speak, and Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia are going to have a face-to-face, and I thought that was official last week when Jericho challenged him, but it wasn't actually made official until yesterday. Uh where on social media, uh Tony Khan and AEW announced that it was going to be taking place. This all stems from last week when Garcia lost a two out of three falls match to Brian Danielson. Uh he prevented Jericho from laying the boots to Danielson more after the match, and Jericho wants to know where Garcia stands when it comes to the Jericho Appreciation Society. So this is all from the Wolstein Center in Cleveland, Ohio. One week away from All Out for Again, hopefully we have a lot better vision on where we're going to be going for that show. Uh, a little bit of ratings news here. Monday night's WWE Raw on USA. This came out right after we got off the air yesterday. Very, very good number. Two million viewers on average, up 1% from the week prior. Uh, finished with 2.0. Oh, oh, five million viewers. As far as cable went, Raw was the second, uh, amongst people 18 to 49 with a .55 rating, about 717,000 viewers. If you include broadcast television, it ranked third. The Bachelorette on ABC was the top ranked show over on Monday night, .76 in people 18 to 49 and an audience of over 3.3 million people on average. On cable, the ESPN broadcast of the Jets Falcons game was the top thing on cable finishing in a 0.61 in 18 to 49 and 2.289 million viewers overall but WWE has been Really holding their own and again, slowly trying to chip away and slowly stay at over 2 million viewers all the time. And it's going to be tough here now that we are into football season or damn near it. Uh, the only demos where WWE finished behind any other cable show were women between the ages of 12 and 49, which was won by VH1's hip hop love and hip or VH1's love and hip hop Atlanta, which was on from eight to nine Eastern. Although it should be noted that. Raw did beat the two episodes of Love and Hip Hop uh, Miami, which followed that episode and beat them across the board. 8 p.m., 2.06 million viewers. The second hour, 2.04 million viewers on average. And 10 p.m., 1.92 million viewers. As was noted on the Wrestling Observer front page on Tuesday afternoon by Dave Meltzer, Raw avoided the big third hour drop that they uh, have been noted for for quite some time. And it was really impressive in in several categories. Women from 18 to 49 were up from our... Uh, I'm sorry, 18, women 18 to 49 were down, uh, from hour one to hour three, but men were up, which is rare. Women 12 to 34 were up. Men 12 to 34 were up. That's apparently very unusual. So people over 50 were down 10%. Hopefully all of them turned out for NXT 2.0 last night. So amongst younger male demos, the third hour ended up being a big success. Obviously Edge and Damian Priest. And, uh, that, did that have anything to do with it? likely (laughs) you know you got a big match in Edge's hometown people probably thought something was going to go down so good times right now for WWE Uh, again the even there and and this blows my mind because I usually don't look at like shows I don't really even think about the legend show the whole A&E lineup on Sundays it blows my mind that A&E has got a Sunday WWE lineup but the Edge documentary on Sunday, the biography that they had 453,000 viewers, which was down big. Apparently, you know, down a quarter, uh, of the people that, that watched the one on DX. But you look at that 453 number, you compare it to the, what, 470 that Rampage got on Friday night. And it's like, man, you know, when you look at those kind of numbers, it's, I don't know. It was just kind of surprising. Blows my mind that Smack Talk, maybe I knew about this. Smack Talk is still being aired. It's the third, uh, part of that lineup, which also features WWE rivals. Smack Talk, 144,000 viewers on average, about 52,000 between the ages of 18 and 49. 98th ranked show on cable. If you include broadcast primetime TV, 130th. I had no idea that that show was the capper of Sunday night's programming on a and I have no idea what they even talk about on that show. Not a clue. This has become that uh, WWE show that Brian's got no idea about that's on uh, Peacock and the network. Uh, so I not a clue here when it comes to those shows. But a lot of people are watching them, including that Legends biography show, which as many people watch is Friday Night Rampage. And Rampage, obviously, is going to have the six-man coming up, to the the more pieces coming together for the Trios Tournament, and obviously we're going to find out more tonight uh, to lead into Friday. Going to switch gears here to New Japan, as Alex Coughlin was announced and then pulled from the upcoming New Japan Pro Wrestling Burning Spirit Tour. Uh, which is taking place between September 2nd and the 25th. Coughlin was announced to face Kosei Fujita on the very first night in Yokohama, but took to social media to say that he's not quite ready yet. He tweeted, sorry if anyone got excited, but there was some sort of miscommunication. I won't be ready to return to the ring for a little while longer. Recovery is going well, though. I'm doing everything I can. I will be back, though, and I will be back stronger than ever. Eventually, Coughlin has not wrestled since June 26, when he teamed with the DKC, Kevin Knight, and Yuya Uemura in a losing effort against Max Caster and the Gun Club uh, during the Forbidden Door pay-per-view pre-show, and when the tour begins, it's actually going to be the DKC who takes his place in that show opener against Fujita, and I would assume that this was a honest mistake, but... You remember Kota Obushi's comments from a few months ago talking about how New Japan advertised him and was advertising him for matches. They they absolutely knew that not only he could not work, but they would not be able to pressure him into working. And I don't think that's the case here with Alex Coughlin, but uh, apparently some sort of miscommunication went down there. But he will not be a part of that upcoming tour. Uh, but there will be cheering that's going to be coming up and DDT has uh, long ago opened up uh, their fan base to cheering new Japan has announced that they are going to be allowing a vocal uh, vocalization i guess you could say at their show and now Pro Wrestling NOAH has followed suit. They announced a couple of days ago that beginning on August 30th, cheering can return to the shows. The company is still requesting that uh, fans wear masks as, and practice proper social distancing. And uh, It's nice to see all of that falling because I know there are some people that will hold steadfast and say, I concentrate so much on the action inside the ring. That performance is what I'm there for. The crowd is nice, but it's not essential. And that's true. You can, you know, we we've watched fights for years on The Ultimate Fighter. They can be great fights, but there's something about having that whole crowd cheering. There's something about having that instant reaction. There's something about having all of that stuff. That's why professional wrestlers love to perform, and that's why it's hard for them to walk away, because it's the spotlight, it's the reaction, it's being able to take people on a journey in the way that they want to. And thankfully, that's coming back to Japan. Seems to be all good here in the States, and as we go into the fall and winter season, hopefully it stays that way. You know what's next. The NXT 2.0 Review, when we get back, Wrestling Observer Live. Back on the show of Wrestling Observer Live, Mike Sempervivi here with you. And of course, if Brian Alvarez isn't going to be here, it's probably going to be on a Wednesday when it's time to review NXT 2.0 on the, the USA Network at the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. and Boy, let's take the last thing first. Producer John, if you could, please put this picture up there. Of, of, of Tiffany Stratton here and I mean my God look at her here. hold on I, I gotta bring this up myself here. I, 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 Tiffany Stratton uh, got a makeover before the NXT show yesterday with these 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 braids that she has here and I look that that is that is certainly uh, that that's certainly a decision. Um, to, to make, but I, I wonder to myself, is that the worst cultural appropriation that professional wrestling has ever given us? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Sorry, boss man. Appreciate you, Producer John. Hopefully you're still here tomorrow. <laughs> Just believe it on Producer Dom. Brian will be so upset, he, he won't know what name is which. So the show opens up with NXT champion Braun Breaker coming down to the ring and cutting a promo. He mentioned his match last week against J.D. McDonough before immediately calling out the NXT UK champion Tyler Bate. They also put McDonough over before getting down to business, said he was the first NXT UK champion, and he'll be the last. With NXT Europe around the corner, he feels that there's no way to better kick that off than to unify the two championships. And long story short, Breaker agreed, challenged him for a title-versus-title match in two weeks, and NXT worlds collide, and the segment ended with the two facing off against each other, holding up their belts. A video package on Gallus then played, which led into their NXT Tag Team title match with Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. But as Briggs and Jensen were about to head to the ring, we went to the back, where the pair was helping to break up a fight between Fallon Henley and Lash Legend. Uh, before they all headed to the ring. After commercial, eventually the champions made their way out. So this uh, version of Gallus in the tag match was Wolfgang and Mark Coffey with Joe Coffey, who I believe was wearing Sergio Tacchini. I believe that's what that logo was, outside the ring. First two and a half minutes of the match was Gallus beating down Jensen until he was able to make a hot tag and was able to clear the ring. But we went to picture-in-picture. Picture. By the time we were back in full screen, Jensen was being beaten down again. At exactly the eight-minute mark, we got another hot tag, and that was at the beginning of the end. Briggs ran wild for a bit, but then Lash Legend came back down to the ring, started getting into it with Henley. When Briggs and Jensen went out to break it up, they were jumped by pretty deadly, and the referee is standing there and does not call for the bell. At all. Nothing. (laughs) And I thought the rule was... If somebody from the outside attacks somebody who wasn't in the match, the match continues. But if somebody comes from the back and attacks somebody in the match, then we've got a disqualification. We don't get that. Instead, as those six brawled to the back, he counted Briggs and Jensen out. <laughs> so... At the 8-minute, 46-second mark, Gallus complained to the ref. They were jumped by Diamond Mind. The Creed brothers and Damian Kemp were the ones who actually did the jumping while Roderick Strong was on the outside cheering him on. They sent Gallus packing, went to another break. When we got back, we got a segment with Chase U. Andre Chase introduced a guest student that they met when the whole college went to the UK. It's Charlie Dempsey. And as soon as this guy comes on screen, you're like, okay. And I wasn't watching NXT UK. I completely forgot that this guy was signed. <laughs> this man is schooled in the catch catch can tradition. As well he should be because his real name is Bailey Matthews. He's the son of Darren Matthews, better known as William Regal. And damn, does this guy not look like a professional wrestler. Man, I don't know what his experience level is. I have not seen him before. But this dude, if nothing else, has got the look down. And this whole thing was really cheesy at times, too. It's Chase U. So there was some cheese involved with the reaction shots of the students of Dempsey tearing people up. He quickly tapped one out before beating up on Bodie Hayward, including snatching his nose while he was in a choke. Chase broke him up, told Dempsey that maybe they got the wrong guy to come in and do a demonstration. Dempsey called the class soft and told him to do some homework by Googling Billy Robinson. So probably going to get Dempsey and uh, and Bodie again, if not uh, Dempsey and uh, Andre Chase and you know, he's in this role now and he's been, you know, again, every time I see Andre Chase Russell, I remember, you know, how good he is and how fun it is to actually watch him. So a match between these two, I'm going to be all for. Then it was time for the Grayson Waller effect, his new talk show segment. So he's on the cutting edge of content innovation. While other shows may be about the guest, this one's all about him. He then brings out Apollo Crews and Paolo calls him a low-budget version of The Miz, which the crowd chanted at Waller. Waller asks him how he feels to go home and tell his kids that daddy couldn't cut it on Mondays and Fridays, so now he's back in NXT. And thinking to myself, man, he really kind of ran down NXT there. You don't really want to do that. Sure, it's developmental, but do you really want to give that impression? But Cruz did a good job shooting back on him and saying that he tells his kids that on both of those days, he's been a champion. And when he comes to be Tuesdays, soon enough, he'll be a champion there, too. And he punched Waller in the face and rolled out. This was a lot. Of, this went on for a while, too. probably went on, <coughs> pardon me, for too long. But Waller was is really good at what he does. And he's going to be, he and Carmelo Hayes, I would think, at some point. Tiffany Stratton, we'll get to her a little later on, throw her in the mix. of Some of the names that are down there right now. Who you would think could be ready to go to the main roster. And I'm not saying Tiffany Stratton's ready by work rise or Grayson Waller for that matter. They could absolutely stand to use more time, but you look at the packages of all three of those people and it's really hard to not to believe that they look. He was up there already with AJ Styles. And in fact, he mentioned that, you know, referenced that in the, the, the deal that he did there when AJ Styles came down to wrestle him on NXT TV. It's going to be sooner rather than later before he ends up on the main roster. Gallus was then escorted through the back by security when Pridley Deadly stopped them. They just fired him up some more and they mocked him as security dragged Gallus off. Mackenzie Mitchell then interviewed Mr. Stone and Von Wagner backstage. Wagner said there won't be much left of Tyler Bate by the time he gets through with him. And he still wants Braun Breaker Cameron Grimes defeated Javier Bernal, who is a uh, person that they're going to be doing a little bit with here, looks like at least. Before the match, they showed Bernal talking to a security member, and we'll get to him uh, last week about how he was going to challenge and beat up Grimes this week. Up in the catbird seats there, Joe Gacy and the Dyad were watching, and before the match they wished Grimes good luck. He didn't need much of it. Match went three minutes and five seconds and for now got in a little bit of offense, but Grimes took over and at the end delivered the cave in double foot stop for the pin. After the match, he stared down Gacy and his goons. It was then time for a Blair Davenport angle showcasing who or a vignette showcasing who she is, uh, for anybody who has never seen her work on NXT UK or as her work is B Priestley over in Japan and uh, the UK and everywhere else for that matter. After the show went to break, we got a vignette of Alba Fire, who, she comes from a family of fire keepers in Scotland, and she's going to continue to rep Scotland, and apparently she's going to continue to bring up the name of Lash Legend, who she mentioned, and uh, I guess there's still a possibility that they will be handcuffed together. I have seen enough of those matches. Blair Davenport then went on to defeat Indy Hartwell, and... You know, the the match was secondary here when it came to Indy Hartwell. Uh, At one point during the match, Hartwell was coming back in the ring, and Davenport went for like a roll of the dice neckbreaker through the ropes, and Hartwell looked like she just about spiked herself. Later they showed the replay, and she didn't hit the mat, but the way she twisted, it was very, very awkward looking. Uh, The finish, unfortunately, looked worse. Davenport went for a high-angle brain buster, but even though Hartwell went up for it, Davenport just couldn't get her up and very quickly spiked her on the shoulder, got the win. After the match, Davenport delivered a V-trigger and threw Hartwell out of the ring. She then grabbed the mic and cut a promo and being the number one contender in the UK and said she'd be happy to take the NXT Women's Championship here in the States. That brought out Mandy Rose, who sauntered down to the ring while cutting a promo. She said she's the most dominant women's champion out there and demanded Davenport put some respect on her name. She was then cut off by music and that music was of Mako Satomura, who got in Mandy's face. Long story short, we're going to have a triple uh threat match uh, at Worlds Collide between Davenport, Satamora, and Mandy Rose. I'm not putting my money on Mandy Rose, but we'll see what happens here. Mackenzie then in, if, interviewed Tiffany Stratton, who was sporting that new hairstyle, the pink braids, cornrows thing, whatever that thing was, um, my lord. But it may have made sense because of the... Light that they had over the ring, but we'll get to that. JD McDonough cut a promo while he was hanging upside down because uh, he's a weirdo, I guess, uh, about not being done with Braun Breaker. Wes Lee was talking to Caden Carter and Katana Chance right after that. Long story short, there seems like uh, it's going to be McDonough and Lee here coming up soon. They finally come back inside the in the arena. Indy Hartwell apparently never left ringside after all this was going on. She's sitting on the apron. She asks if this is what rock bottom feels like. She's blaming herself for everything. When lo and behold, from behind her, you see him in the distance, raise up from the other side of the ring it's Dexter Loomis the crowd goes crazy she turns around sees him in there they both do the little Dexter slither into the ring their eyes lock they embrace she kisses him and then they leave together he carries her up the ramp into the back indexes back together or are they? afterwards we get a shot of Vix Joseph he's too happy Wade Barrett he's too sour over all this but then they cut to the back again Dexter put Indy down. He handed her a note and opens the doors of the performance center where there's red and blue lights and there's cops telling him to put his hands behind his back. Apparently, he was able to sneak Miz out of the building, has taken him to an undisclosed location, and has been on the lam ever since. But true love has brought him back to the performance center. He hands her a note and it says, Goodbye for now. Goodbye, Indy, for now. I heart you forever. So. Everybody wanted index to return. I kind of wanted that too, but they're doing whatever they're going to be doing with Dexter Loomis on the main roster. But I love Indy Hartwell. She's got a long way to go in some ways. I wish she would leave there, go get some experience because she's got a good look. But bottom line is if she doesn't go anywhere and get some more seasoning and experience, get Dexter back to NXT because those two together are great. We're coming up here on the break and, The match between the Dyad and the D'Angelo family was short. It was only about five minutes. Dyad got the victory. Basically led to Tony D'Angelo running down Legado de Fantasma. And as they leave the building a little bit later on, car pulls up, window comes down, Santos Escobar. He would never forget about his familia. Get in, let's ride. Everybody looks like they're driving to the main roster now. I would assume on SmackDown. I think they would be a great fit for that. I am still upset that we never got a good series of Swerve Strickland and uh, Santos Escobar matches in NXT. I think we got one it wasn't enough but Tyler Bate then went on and defeated Von Wagner in a non-title match big battle of size versus uh, experience here and Bate ended up getting the clean victory Wagner looked good that leads into Brett Bate's match against Braun Breaker and when we get back from break all this alliteration we'll get into the main event Tiffany Stratton Wendy Chu lights out match Wrestling Observer Live back on the show wrestling observer live the main event of nxt lights out match tiffany stratton wendy Chu, anything goes now usually when there's a lights out match it just means it's unsanctioned they flash the lights the lights come back up you have a match that nothing the company wants nothing to do with if somebody gets hurt it's the blood's not on our hands in this case, they actually turned the damn lights out, and they had a blue light, and uh, this is why I'm wondering if they decided to go this route with Stratton's air, because at least it was reflecting off in the lights that they were using. It was this weird blue and black light that they had, and at times... I didn't really have a problem with it, and I never had a problem with the Sin Cara thing too. But I can understand why people didn't like it, and this was much, much darker than that. I mean, it was a new first time they were doing this whole thing. Craziness happening. You get all the the wacky spots: trash can over Stratton's head, and Chew beats it with a tennis racket. There was a pink steel chair, turnbuckle tightening bar that Chew used was trying to choke out Stratton with and break her face with. Wendy's bed at some point got closer to the ring. They had two huge pillows in them that had Legos inside of them which Stratton tried to follow a slam on Chew into them. She missed so she just went and body slammed her on top of it which looked like it sucked and the finish that came when Tiffany tried to throw powder outside the ring got kicked it back in her face. Chew then gave her a choke slam through the headboard of the bed that she had laid out rolled her back in the ring, hit the good night splash for the win in 13.08, 1308 so they gave it a little bit of time and as the show went off the air they had the contracts being signed for the triple threat women's unification and the men's unification match coming up in two weeks and NXT world's collide want to thank everybody out there for joining me the big boss man Brian Alvarez will be back tomorrow want to salute producer Dom want to salute producer John and I salute you for sticking with me here we shall talk to you again after a while.
0: You have been listening to the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic.
1: Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everyone